Hello and welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast. As you listen to this message, I pray that you're built up, encouraged through God's Word, and I pray that His Holy Spirit leads you and guides you in the way that you should go. I pray that He gives you answers for your questions, healing and help for your life. Most importantly, I pray that this Word helps you to become more like Jesus and a greater influence for Him in our church and in your world. Now, let's grow together. Enjoy the message. Uh, let's jump into the word this morning. I'm so excited. We've been talking about 12 attitudes of Grace Avenue Church. Now, if you're new here today, uh, this is something that we've been diving a little bit deeper on in, in our podcast for our church called Midweek Motion. This is a separate podcast. For those of you who don't know, we have one. It's really for those, I've developed this for our teams, those who serve, those are our ministry teams, uh, how to better impact people. This affects your family, it affects your business, it helps you in various ways. But we have deeper conversations on that podcast about a lot of the things we talk about. So it's MDWK Motion. So look it up, subscribe to it. But we're talking about these on that podcast, and I'm breaking them down here Uh, here on Sunday, and I tried to get through three last week. That didn't really work out very well, so I'm going to focus on one today, and uh, we'll see how long this... (laughs) I think I spent 25 minutes on one and then had five minutes for the two two others. That didn't work out great. So we're talking about 12 attitudes of Grace Avenue. Every week I'm going through them. These are embedded in our staff, our pastors, our ministry team leaders. Now, why are we talking about this? Because we want the atmosphere around here to be intentional. We want it to be intentional. Uh, Every place carries a culture. If you go to, if we we go to your home, your your home has a culture. There are various things that make up the culture of your home. If we go to your business, if we go to your place of employment, uh, if we go to a company, if we go to some sort of organization across the board, they try to embed a particular culture into their employees from their management all the way down. Uh, same with the church. A lot of times a church can say what they are and what they believe, uh, but then you get into the building and integrate with the people and you figure out this isn't what it sounds like on the websites. <laughs> and we wanted to be intentional, and I've experienced that myself. Um, every place carries a culture. So uh, that culture is formed and fortified through the attitudes that the people adopt and then carry out. Yeah. Right? You, you adopt those. Uh, if we say this is a church that's friendly and joyful, if you really want to be miserable and negative and cynical, you can come, but you're not going to last long. Right? It's going it's to kind of force you to shape be shaped in a different way, in the way you see, in the way you live, in the way you think. And so here's the the attitude we're talking about today. This is number four on the list. It's people have potential and a purpose. People have potential and a purpose, okay? Now, there's a lot of talk that, that you hear about purpose. There's a lot of talk you hear about potential. And I'm going to try and talk about this today opposite of the way you probably hear it talked about in the world, in secular society. I really want to bring this more into in alignment with the reality of, of what Jesus says, what God says, what the Bible says about potential and about purpose. And while we hear so many different things in this world about potential, you can reach your potential and, and purpose. Everybody has a purpose. Uh, biblically, if we really understand this, it's far deeper than just the surface level of what you do or the gifts that you have. It's, it's connected to eternity. It's very deep, and so we're going to jump into it. Now, let me start this conversation with this quote by C.S. Lewis. God doesn't want something from us. He simply wants us. 
God doesn't want something from us. He simply wants us. Now, why am I putting that at the front? Because in our American society, there's a value. And that value works like this. You are what you have. You are what you do. You are who you know. You are what you accomplish. You are, all, you are all based upon what you have, what you've achieved in life. And what happens is we're funneled through that mentality in our jobs, in our culture, uh, keeping up with the Joneses, uh, what other people have, what other people are doing, what kind of car they have, what kind of home they have. Uh, isn't it amazing how you can be totally satisfied with your house and you're not thinking anything about your house and then you flip open a, uh, you know, uh, somebody who flips houses, you can see what they did to their kitchen and all of a sudden you're thinking about dropping 20 grand. <laughs> Right? Just out of the blue. Like, you weren't thinking about this yesterday. But you looked at what someone else had, and all of a sudden, like, something rose up in you. A desire to change something. Now, could it make it better? Absolutely. Uh, but the reality is that we're funneled through that mentality. And um, what I'm trying to say today is that God simply wants us. He just wants us. And so often in our culture, we're trying to reach for this purpose that is out there somewhere. It's the mystery around it. Right? That's the big picture that's painted. It's out there. you got to go find it. you got to go achieve it. It's like looking under rocks trying to find this thing. It, it's this potential that, that we're wrestling with, trying to maximize. And, and here's the beauty in this quote by C.S. Lewis, that, that God doesn't want something from us. He simply wants us. Like if that could sink in before anything else I say, that's enough today. That God simply loves you, that he died for you, that he wants you to see him in the fullest expression of who he is, not to just get out there and spin your wheels trying to prove something to him, or even for the sake of trying to make something of yourself, okay? Um, John chapter 14, Thomas says this, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So think about this for a second. Here's a question that Thomas is asking that 2,000 years later, we're still asking, Lord, we're, we don't know where you're going. How are we supposed to know the way? Okay, now, now if, if you're in a season like that right now, this is speaking to you a lot. But if you've been in a season like that, then you remember how this felt. Well, we don't know where we're going. We don't know what's next. We don't, we don't know what's next in our finances. We don't know what's next for our marriage. We don't know what's next. Should we move? Should we transition? Should we switch careers? Should I go back to school? Should I leave the military? Should I leave this job? Should I move to the state? Should I take this promotion? Lord, we don't know which way you're going. How can we know the way? Has anybody ever felt over the last couple of years that way? Like, what, what way are you taking us, Lord? Where, where am I going? Where are you going? And then where am I going? Right? And here's what Jesus says to him. This, this is his response. You want to know the way? I'm the way. You want to know the way? I'm the way. Lord, what's the, the way for the season? I'm the way. Lord, what's the truth about the season? I'm the truth. Lord, what is life next in this season? I'm the life. Is this helping you this morning? See, th th this brings things into focus. This helps us understand the bigger picture of that quote that Jesus is saying. He's saying, I am 
the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Imagine for a moment if Jesus told you everything that you needed to know about your future the rest of the way. From now until you meet him. Like imagine just it's all covered. Now some of you, you're, you're older already, so you're like, ah, oh, that's fine. You know, I've only got, you know, 10, 15 left. Yeah, I'm, I'm, that would be great. I'd like to know how this all closes out. Right? But for those of you who are, and you be a little more relaxed about it, for those of you who are in your, in your teens, your 20s, and your 30s, maybe your 40s, you're like, hey, 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 there's a lot of life left. I could use that information. That would be very helpful. Amen? It would be helpful, okay? But here's, here's the reality. I believe that if, if Jesus told us everything, showed us everything, put it on a screen, gave you the, the, the original file, you could download it, go back and watch it anytime you want to just see what's happening next year and the year after that and the year after that and the year after that, I think we would just by default stop looking at Jesus as the way. I think we would stop looking at Jesus as the truth. I think we'd stop looking at Jesus as the source of life because we'd have it all right there. Like, think about all the phone numbers that you have in your phone. Uh, If I asked you, if I told you I'll give you $5 million if you can name 15 numbers in your phone. (laughs) Five million bucks, that's a lot of money. You couldn't do it, probably, because you don't have the numbers memorized anymore. Because they've already been put in for you. They've been saved. They've been locked in. You don't even go back there anymore. Right? You see what I'm saying here? There's the testing of our life. That when God gives things to us, the temptation has always been to go to idols. To stop looking to to God as the source. To stop looking at God as the way. Look, you see this in the Old Testament with Israel. Their, their hearts, would, they would get close to God, they'd repent, and then they'd go far from God. Then they'd rebel against God. They'd push away. And so this is the nature of our heart. Now, we would say, even when we have that downloaded video, oh, Jesus is the way, he's the truth, he's the life. We wouldn't deny God, but we wouldn't honor him in our daily walk. We wouldn't trust him because we'd know the path. We'd know potential. We'd know purpose. we know where all this is leading Now, that's what we're spending our energy on, isn't it? What's next? What's next? I don't know what's next. Where are we going? What's going to happen? Yet then we hear, I know the plans God has for you, and we embrace that, but then we don't do the daily walk with him. And so it's like this back and forth. It's like this ping pong between what we say we believe about God, but what we're not necessarily dependent on God for. Right? See, if we say, I know... The plans I have for you, oh, that's, that's God for me. Okay, well, if he knows, then that means we can't make our own way, our own truth, and our own life. We know that here in our head. But to know that here in our heart, when the pressure's on, that's the challenge. Okay, how much time do you spend worried about the way forward? How much time do you spend worried about the truth of the situation that you're in, of the, of the situation you just came out of, or what you're headed towards? How much time do you spend worried about the plans of God for the next part of your life, the next season of your life? See, when you're younger, life is full of mystery and fear. It's mysterious. What's ahead? Things are unstable. Things are uncertain. There's not much to grab hold of. And most of the time, younger people are reaching 
Notice I didn't say an age about younger people, so you can cap yourself out at whatever age you want to. If you're 64, you're like, I'm still young. Great. Well, so be it then. All right? But younger people, most of the time, younger people are reaching for something that they think is the thing. If I can get to the thing, that thing, that next, that's what it is, right? But if you're younger, trust me, the older people could tell you, life is not just one thing. It's multiple things. And it's multiple things at once. It's a lot of spinning plates. Like I've sent more emails in regards to our, our building right now that we're, we're dealing with, our, our new building, which I'm going to update after service where we're at. got some great news. But I've sent more emails in the last two months, I kid you not, than I have in the last five years. All while doing everything else. Like, that's the reality. It's, it, when you're younger, you think, if I could just get to that thing, but it's not that thing. It's that thing that you're having to manage with all the other things and not let that ball drop. But then when you're older, here's the, the reverse effect. You're wondering if you've done enough. You're wondering if you could have done better. Right? So when you're younger, you're wrestling with, with fear. When you're older, you, you can wrestle with regret if you're not careful. Right? So one leads to fear. One leads to regret. Either way, it's a trap to live in either one of those paradigms. That's where we get trapped. Because God is more interested in who you're becoming than what you're doing for him. Who you're becoming when life is mystery and life is fearful. Who you're becoming in that season. It's shaping what's next. What you think about life and, and what you may have missed out on. What you think you regret, but yet God works sovereignly in and through. Even maybe some of the mistakes that you made. See, we condense our life down to this thing, and we miss the mark. But if we see Jesus, all of a sudden things start to make sense. See, God doesn't want something from us. He simply wants us. That's why Jesus said, pray this way, give us this day. Right, we're, we're, not, we're praying about next month and next year and five years from now. Jesus is wanting us to focus on today. There's something powerful to learn from today. There's something so peaceful about today, the gift of today. Five years ago, at this very moment, my wife was unconscious. We didn't know if she was going to live. My, other, my baby was in the NICU. I didn't know where either of them were going to land. And every day felt like a million years. The weight of the day. Can I tell you something? There's something you can learn from today. To be so, are you guys okay this morning? I feel like I'm hitting something this morning. It's like a blacksmith. You're hitting and there's sparks flying. <laughs> there's something beautiful to learn about today. There's value in today. There's hope for today. There's peace for today. There's understanding for today. If you can get out of the trap of fear or regret, there's something beautiful Jesus wants to show you about today. Right? So the world has a pattern for discovering and, and achieving potential and purpose. The world has a pattern. There's, there's secular thought around this. There's worldly thought around this, okay? And, and it usually lands in these categories. You're self-made, you become self-centered, and you end up self-consumed. That, that's pretty much the pattern. Now, no one would admit that, but that's what it comes down to. This is why everybody's in therapy in their later years, because they've lived a very self-made life, a self-centered life, been self-consumed, and that life has come up, come up empty. The opposite of that, 
Christianity is opposite. It's, it's, we understand that we're God-made, we're God-centered, and we're God-consumed. We use self to honor God. We use what has been given in and of ourselves to minister to others, to build for his glory, to help others do what they're called to do. And Jesus had a lot to say about the world and the way that the world thinks. Uh, I'll just read some of these. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. (laughs) He's pretty, pretty blunt there. The world hates you. Oh, because you chose me. you're surprised at the hostility, but you shouldn't be because you chose me. And when you choose me, the world hates me. And because the world hates me, you're not going to get a welcoming party. You're going to get hostility. You're going to get rejection. You're going to get resistance. All right? So all these prayers to be accepted and and placed so well, like, it's not going to work. Like, we've been made opposite We've been made new, and so Christ says, now I'm going to take you as light and place you into darkness. And you're going to shine. And you're going to be salt. You're going to be influential in that place. He said it in John 18. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that. I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. 1 John 2. Don't love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father's not in him. Okay? Here's why many Christians are often miserable. They're in one kingdom, but they're trying to operate by the pattern of another kingdom. They're trying to think the way the world thinks. So think about all the people that are shaping your thoughts, all the people that are shaping your Monday motivation, all the quotes, all the philosophies of life. All the stuff that's flying in on social media, all the books, all the, all the popular podcasters, all the reality people, everything that's forming and shaping your mentality about your worth, your value, your outlook on life, where life could go, and compare that to what Jesus says about all of that. He's basically saying this, all of that is garbage. All of it. Not, not some of it, all of it is opposite of his kingdom. Now, are there some middle-of-the-road principles that kind of we meet in the middle on that are for the common good and common understanding for human flourishing? Obviously, we see that, right? But the reality is what he's saying here is there's a different kingdom that you're operating in. So if we're talking about potential and purpose, it's not just for you. And it's not what a random author thinks or a random celebrity or a random artist or a random person who's made a lot of money. It's what Jesus says. See, the world and the patterns of this world are not supposed to gain the affections of our heart. This world is so lustful. It's so tempting. The tangible, it's here, it's now, it's in front of me. I can reach out. I can take it. It can become mine, and then it can become my idol. Everything that I thought I wanted, everything I thought I needed becomes useless when I realize it's, it's not what I wanted. It's not really what I needed. It's what I thought I needed in the moment. Romans chapter 12, look at at what Paul says about the world. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, the world has a pattern for your life. The world has a pattern for your marriage. The world has a pattern for how you have an outlook on life, how you view success, how you view failure. The world 
has a viewpoint on how you handle disappointment, which is not getting what you want or things not going the way you thought they would. The world has a pattern for how you achieve, reach for, obtain happiness, which is basically getting what you want. That's what life comes down to for most people. If I got what I want, I'm happy. If I didn't get what I want, I'm not happy. Is this too philosophical for you this morning? But this is where we land, okay? Um, God wants to change the way you think. He wants to change the way you think. How does he do that? He says, through the renewal of your mind, which means to be made fresh or made new in the way you think. When's the last time you thought new about the situation you're in? Not according to the way the world thinks. Well, if this doesn't work out, then this is going to happen to me. And that's all we boil down to, life's problems down to. Just the one or two things that could happen. We don't think about the multiple avenues in which God could, could provide or make a way or shift things or bring somebody into our life. We don't think about that. We, ju- we just boil it down to the worst of the worst, right? It says you can test and approve what God's will is, his gl- good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, the will of God will give you peace. The will of God will give you peace. Even when you're in situations that you don't necessarily think you would have voted yourself into. Even when you're trying to free yourself from those places, those positions, there's a peace that God can give. Most of the letters that you're reading from Paul in the New Testament that were (laughs) written from prison (laughs) or in suffering, like we're encouraged by them, but they came from someone else's suffering. Right? All right, let's talk about potential. Potential is the ability to develop and utilize your God-given gifts and talents. The ability to develop, to develop and utilize your God-given gifts and talents. It's also the ability to move from where you are towards something divinely better and greater. And it's the ability to fully embrace and maximize who God has created you to be and do what God has created to do. That's how I I try to define potential. When we take eternity, when we take Christ's work, when we take the gifts and talents he's given us, I put them into just some small definitions there. It's the ability to develop and utilize these God-given gifts and these God-given talents that God has put in your life. It's the ability to move from where you are towards something that's divinely better and greater. And then it's the ability to fully embrace and maximize who God has created you to be and do what God has created you to do. See, the Bible is full of stories of people who did not finish life well. They were called. They were raised up. They were positioned. They were placed. But they didn't finish well. They started off strong. They started off an an NBA draft pick, number one, in the first round. This guy is going places. He's going to be everything. He's going to lead this team to everything that it's created for. But they didn't finish. Started strong, didn't finish. Okay? Their purpose was impacted through choices that didn't honor God or didn't honor his will, and then their failure to navigate and nurture their own potential through wasted time, through wasted emotions, through, through, through wasted situations and choices. They missed things that God had purposed for them. 
Okay, so, so this should cause us to think, you know, if God used so many people to paint a picture for us of how important potential is, it should cause us to take it seriously, to pray different prayers, to think soberly, really, about what's in our hands today. Like these kids, they're in my hands today. Not forever, just, just for a season. I get these kids for a season. That's it. And then they're gone. They're on their own. What I put in them, I hope, flourishes. I hope those seeds grow. But I don't get to dictate whether or not they grow. I get to dictate whether or not I sow. Are you following me? See, you don't want to miss anything God has for you. As a dad, in your marriage, in your choices. Okay, so potential is so important. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, we are God's masterpiece. Come on, look at the person next to you and say, I'm a masterpiece. (laughs) He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things he planned for us long ago. Come on, let's stop right here and just embrace the reality of what Paul is telling us here in the second chapter of Ephesians, that we are the workmanship, the masterpiece of God, and he created us new in Christ Why? Why did he do that? Ask the question. So that we can do. Everybody say do. Do. Not just exist, not just love, not just hang out, not just be successful, not just be happy, not just achieve our dreams, so that we can do the good things that he planned. Maybe I didn't plan them. I didn't plan Grace Avenue. Can I just give you a little bit of insight there? I didn't plan on waiting 12 years until we could have a building of our own that we're raising resources for. I'm very grateful, but I didn't want to wait 12 years. Some of y'all don't feel that pain enough. I said 12 years. 12, what were you doing 12 years ago? That's been a long time. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. See, every person who, by God's grace, has come into his kingdom by way of salvation enters the plans for the good things God has in store. And in this world, there's this common mentality that that you, by your own strength, can fulfill your own potential. Now, here's the truth. We know we can't. This is why we lean on drugs and sex and power and achievements and counselors and therapists telling us who we are and trying to help us trying to make sense of what happened this is why we can even become addicted to, to the wrong way of living and, and life in church. Because now we feel good about we made a mess of our life, but now we feel good about that. Well, God doesn't want you to pay him back. That's not what he's asking. He's asking you to serve, but not because you owe him anything. But because he wants you to see the goodness of his love and his grace that flows through you when you serve. Right? So the world will often use the phrase, God-given potential, but won't acknowledge the source of the potential given. It's God-given potential. It's like a blanket generic phrase. Okay, I'm going to burst a little bubble here. Hopefully it's not your favorite bubble in life, okay? But there's this, this meme that you see, and it's, it's a little girl. She's crying, and she's got a teddy bear, and she's holding it. And then there's Jesus, and he's standing in front of her, and he's holding a bigger teddy bear behind his back. And she's saying, I really love it. And he's saying, won't you trust me? And, and the idea is that God is holding a bigger teddy bear for the little girl if she would just give him the little teddy bear. That is completely wrong. 
I mean, it's very emotional. I, I got to agree. It's very sweet, but completely theologically wrong. The beauty, the real beauty is that the girl is looking at Jesus. It's not the teddy bear behind his back, the treats. It's that she doesn't see Jesus. That's where it's wrong. If we're looking at Jesus, we're seeing everything. If we're looking at Jesus, we have everything we need. Okay, when I'm on my deathbed and they're saying, this is your last night, Daniel, I'm not going to be saying, I wish I had that bigger teddy bear. I want to see Jesus. And I want to see him face to face. I don't care about the teddy bear. I don't care about my hobbies. I don't care about the things I've done. I care about seeing Jesus in the moment that it matters most. And so will you. And so will your kids. Right? But I love that meme. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, let's just balance it out a little, okay? Um, when you're looking at Jesus, you don't need the teddy bear. That's what I'm saying, okay? So purpose. Let's talk about purpose, okay? It's this. Your God-given reasons for existence and endurance which have eternal impact. Your God-given reasons for existence and endurance. Life is not just existence. It's endurance. It's being able to last through the pain, through the traumas, through the trials, through the suffering, through the rejection, through the disappointment. I don't just need Monday motivation. I need Monday stabilization. What stabilizes me? Not just that I exist, that God has given me the strength to endure the onslaught of hell and demons that will come against me as I try to live out God's purpose. The natural difficulties, my own inabilities, my own weaknesses, all of that. I need endurance to be able to do that. Not just an idea that I'm called to exist and, and achieve and build. I need something weightier that, that holds me. Something deeper with deeper roots. That way when the winds blow, I don't get taken by the storm. Your God-given reasons for existence and endurance, which have eternal impact. Let me give you a verse for this, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul's saying, don't lose heart. We're outwardly, we're wasting away. Inwardly, we're being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles. Listen to how he describes pain and suffering and difficulty. Light, momentary troubles. Another version says afflictions. These are light and momentary afflictions. Are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen. I'm not looking at this season. But we focus on what is unseen. Because what's seen is temporary. But what, what is unseen is eternal. God's saying, I want you to have a, a, a bigger lens a clearer lens to see through so that what you're actually seeing is true, that what you're going through is not the end. It's all connected to something bigger and greater. And unfortunately, we don't get to figure it all out in this life. Like there's some things I'm not asking God for answers for. I'm just waiting for eternity. He'll, he'll let me know. I'm not going to spend years and years asking why. I don't know why. I've got bigger fish to fry, people to help, Kids to raise, people to love, people to serve. I'm not going to try and figure out why things didn't go my way the way I wish they would or if thought, I thought they should have. That, that's putting me in the seat of entitlement if I just stay there. 
We can ask God why, but if I won't move from why, I start to stagnate. Okay, so it's your God-given reasons for existence and endurance. See, life is hard and it has painful moments and our ability to endure is based upon whether or not we believe there is purpose in the pain. We won't endure if we don't think there's any purpose for it. You won't hang on to a marriage if you don't think there's purpose in what you're going through. You won't hang on to your life if you don't think that there's purpose beyond this pain. It will hit you hard enough where you have to make a decision. And if your decision is only in the seen, it's not in the unseen, it's not in the eternal, then the pain will be too great because life is hard. Look, pastors don't say this enough. Life is painful. Life is full of disappointments. It's hard. Difficult things happen. But God is good. God is good. And because of him, we have hope. Number two, when it comes to purpose, your, your holy calling on your life. Your holy calling on your life. Your holy calling. You have a holy calling. How do we know that? Second Timothy chapter 1. God saved us. He called us to a holy calling. Grab hold of this today, Christian. Wherever you are in your walk with God, however long you've been following Jesus, you have a holy calling. It's not just for the person who knows more than you. It's not for the person who's on a church staff. It's not just for the person who's a pastor or seems to know a lot of the Bible. Every believer has a holy calling. We were saved and we were positioned in this life. I have a holy calling. You have a holy calling. The person next to you has a holy calling. Now here's, here's what he goes on to say. It's not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and his grace. We're talking about purpose. God had a purpose and a grace over your life, and you have a holy calling, which he gave us in Christ before the ages began. So before you even thought about your potential and about your purpose, long ago before the ages began, Christ thought about you and the holy calling on your life. He gave you the ability to endure to think bigger than the world, to think bigger than what you hear and the cynicism around it and the arrogance around it and the misery around life if there is no hope, if there's nothing beyond this life, well, then I would be in the same place. What is there to live for, honestly, when things go bad? Our hope has to be centered in something bigger. Number three, when it comes to purpose, your connection to Christ's body. Your connection to the body of Christ, community, connection integrated into life with people. First Corinthians, he says, you're the body of Christ and you're individually members of it. See, part of, of why people get so mixed up in their potential and their purpose is because they're thinking solo. Solo, YOLO, bro, about their life. That's it. It's just me and my goals and me and my dreams and me and my focus and this is me and nothing's getting in my way. And every January, you're going to hear somebody the same thing. Everybody's out. I'm in. If you see my update, you didn't get deleted. You ever seen people put that? <laughs> if you're seeing this update, you didn't as if, you know, all these people were a distraction and you just, no, you weren't focused all year and you think that these people were part of the problem. You were part of the problem. You are the problem. It's nobody else. You're not working out today with a regiment because somebody distracted you from that. You just chose. 
not to work out for a whole year, and all of a sudden you think this, this new year motivation, new year, new me. Nope, same you, new year. Your connection to Christ's body is so important. This is how God designed us to grow. Not just to go to Google, not just to read books, to do life with people, to sit eye to eye with people. Jesus didn't call his disciples and then dismiss them off to class. Okay, go research on the internet, read some books, and then come back to me when you know some stuff. I've got things to do, got miracles to do. Go away. <laughs> he taught them, he looked them in the eye, he embraced them, he brought them close, he observed their failures, they observed his div- divinity. He observed their weaknesses. They observed his strength. He observed their foolish decisions. They saw his wisdom. They saw their weakness. They saw his strength, his power, his glory. They saw mystery. They were confused. They heard words, but it didn't make sense. Stories that didn't even make sense until a year, two years later. They would say, remember when he said the importance of recalling what Jesus said. It was so critical. It was so important. You get that when you're with people. Yet we're told it's all on us, that we've got to figure it out. I have learned more about who I am and how I can be a better pastor to you from other pastors. I didn't learn it in a class. You you know how I, I become a better pastor every month to you? Because I talk to pastors who've been doing this 20, 25 years more than me. Wow, Daniel, you're, you're a great guy. Would you say that today? Would you say you're a great guy? Just let... All right, cool. I need some affirmation this morning. I'm, whatever greatness you think I am, that comes from people who've poured into me. People who've poured into me. I had to open myself up to that. I had to be vulnerable. I have to say, hey, Pastor Frank, what do you think about this? And have him say, Daniel, I think that's a terrible idea. <laughs> hey, Pastor Ron, what do you, what do you, I'm thinking of doing this. I wouldn't do that, Daniel. Why? Because. <laughs> and then give me about five reasons. And I thought, hmm, okay. Didn't see that. My purpose is now stabilized because I opened myself up, became vulnerable, transparent with someone else in humility to say, this is what I think, and then not be upset when someone says, it's not the greatest idea, and here's five reasons why. (laughs) Well, you don't know God's called me. (laughs) Don't you know who you're dealing with? Foolishness, man. Number four, last one. Your Holy Spirit-led daily walk with God. This is your purpose right here. Your Spirit-led daily walk with God. Galatians 5 says, I say this, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives and you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Every one of us has temptations, lusts, weaknesses, faults, places we trip up, maybe some things we can't seem to get past or get, get under control. And here's how God addresses those very things that we know are in our our nature, our our desires. He says, let the Holy Spirit guide you through that. Another translation is, is, since we now live by the Spirit, let us 
since we now live by, walk by the Spirit, let us live by the Spirit. Sorry, backwards. Since we now live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. Okay, since we're now living as, as people who've been filled with God's Holy Spirit, we're living out this life, let's walk every day in the manner that's worthy of honoring God. How, how do we do that? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Through his power in me. See, there's, there's gold in every, inside of every person. I believe this. And part of our ability to see the gold in others starts with seeing the gold that got, God's placed in us. See, Job in, in chapter 23, verse 10, he's talking about, I can't find God in this season. I look here. I look there. I don't know where he is. I don't know what he's doing. And then he lands in this place where he says, but he knows the way that I take him. When he's tested me, I will come forth as gold. When I've been refined through this process of whatever it is, I'm going to come out as gold. And that's my hope for every believer here today. That whatever you're going through, that your potential, that your purpose won't be hindered through your own efforts, through your own failures, through your own testing, but that when you come out of this, when you come out of those seasons, whatever they are, you come forth as gold, refined, purified. The Bible talks a lot about purification, refining. So painful. It's hot. I think this season's hot in this summer in Texas. <laughs> so it's being refined by God, except sometimes it feels like the heat is unending. So let's stand this morning. And let's think about that for a second, that maybe some of you right now feel like you're in testing. But let's believe that God knew that the plans that he had for you wouldn't be hindered through testing, but be maximized. Lord, I pray for everyone here this morning who has potential and has purpose. Thank you, God, that your gifts in and on their life. are precious to behold. Thank you that they're unique to them as the individual that they are. Thank you and who they are to this city, to their family, to this church, to their friends, to their neighbors. They're a gift, Lord God. They are the masterpiece that you've created, created for the good things that you have in store. Lord, we pray that you would do and continue to do a mighty work in their life. Continue to show them Whatever's being refined right now, whatever's being purified, they're going to come out as gold. Thank you, God, for their heart for you, for their hope in you right now. Lord, I just pray that you would just renew hope right where they sit right now this morning. Renew hope in people. Renew strength. Whatever people have poured out, Lord, renew their strength as they wait on you. God, you are the God that refreshes and restores. Lead them beside still waters, Lord God. 
I believe this morning somebody, your zeal is being restored this morning. Your passion for the Lord is being restored this morning. You came, you thought this was just a message, you thought this was a church service, but tonight, something, I mean, this morning, something was ignited in you that, that flipped a switch. And you can see now. You can see clearer than you've seen in this last season. Okay, that, that is the, the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not just your faith being built up and encouraged. That, that is the power of God's Spirit illuminating and bringing into clarity what before was confusion. everyone keeping their head bowed and their eyes closed for just a second. I just want to take this moment. I just sense that this morning the Holy Spirit wants to, to pinpoint and help someone identify today. Their zeal is being restored. Their passion is being restored. If that's you this morning and, and you know where you've been with God, you know where you've been in your relationship with him, you walk with him, and you know what I'm talking about, and you sense that God has brought clarity this morning because of this word, and from this day forward, there'll be no more playing with this idea of your destiny, of your purpose, of your life, and that's you this morning. Would you just lift your hand so I can just see who I'm speaking to this morning? You're never too young, you're never too old. There is no timeline when it comes to potential and purpose. That's in God's hands. It's obedience. Will you obey? Will you trust Him? Will you follow Him? Can you see it's not the, the teddy bear you're looking for? Can you see that it's Jesus standing right in front of you, calling you to Himself? He's calling you to Himself in this season. He wants to welcome you. He wants to embrace you. He wants to throw his arms around you and call you his son or his daughter. Lord, bless every hand and every heart that's resting on you this morning. Lord, restore unto us a clear vision for potential and purpose. Lord, let us carry and wear this attitude day in day out. Let us not grow weary doing good, for we know you're good. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Let's celebrate. So church family, I'm, I'm so excited. As, as most of you know, the reality of, of where we're at for the last 12 years, uh, we've never had a building to call our own. In fact, we always had leased spaces or, you know, rented spaces, and those come with severe limitations in what we're able to do and what we're able to, to carry out ministry-wise. Um, this has been going on so long. Yesterday, a memory came up in social media. Uh, those can be good or bad, remember? Um, but this one was actually kind of good and kind of bad, but it was 12 years ago, and it said, uh, actually, is that the right one? That is the wrong one. I sent Jess the wrong one. All right, take that off. I've got too many memories. Let me read you the one. But that was a good one, wasn't it? Here it is. Same thing, 12 years ago. It says, long day. 
I looked at three buildings, interested in one, then found out another pastor friend is already negotiating on it. Happy for him and the church. God will provide for Grace Avenue. Great days are ahead. Can I tell you, greater days are here. Greater days are here. This is so old. I tried to rack my brain yesterday trying to figure out who I was talking about. I have no idea who I was talking about. But God knows my heart. I was happy for them, and I was happy for their church. But I can't even remember who the heck I was happy for, okay? But an opportunity has come for us, and we started our Faith Forward offering, and we gave you these. They should be in the seat backs in front of you. And and what these are, these are uh, pledges that we're asking everybody to pray about and have God show them what they would give in this season as we move forward. If this church is your home, if this church has blessed you in any way, shape, or form, we're asking you to do those two things. Pray about what God would have you to give, and then give obediently towards whatever he's shown you. Uh, You can still find these here. These are still important. Pledges are important because they help us know where we're at and where we're headed. Uh, So the first week, uh, we put a graphic up here, and we showed that within the first week of kicking this off, Uh, we had raised $52,000. As of last week, we had raised $101,000. And now, today, we have raised $160,000, $159,746. Can we just give God a hand for that? Thank you so much for giving. Um, I feel like I'm on the prices right with all these numbers up here or something. But uh, we have people who've pledged... And this is so important. $223,000 has been pledged towards that $350,000 goal. And we have less than a month ago. We have about three and a half weeks. And so um, I know many of you have, have calculated uh, from what you said through your pledge that by August 10th, this is what you plan to give. And that's helped us out so much to know where we are, to know what we can tell the bank. And so I wanted to celebrate where we are. Every week we're going to keep doing this. Can we just give God one more hand? $160,000 so far. Your pledge matters. Your giving matters. Thank you so much for all that you're doing. Uh, We have less than a month to go, and we're going to keep moving forward. We're doing our due diligence right now. We're searching every nook and cranny of the building. We're looking at the good, the bad, and the ugly, and we're saying, God, do something great with what you've brought us at this time. Amen? Amen. So thank you, guys. I want to pray quickly for your giving, and then we'll dismiss that. Thank you so much for those who have pledged. Thank you for everyone giving. I ask that you would bless the work of their hands. I ask that you would continue to prosper them as they build your kingdom and sow into your kingdom. Thank you for their their faithfulness and their generosity towards what we're doing and what this house is and its future. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I pray that that word blessed you. If you'd like to know more about Grace Avenue Church or want to know more about how to be a part of what God has called us to here in the city of San Antonio, or if you'd like to sow financially into our vision and mission, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks so much for listening. We hope to see you soon.